Hey everyone, welcome back to the weekly episode of Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. I don't know why I said it like that. <laughs> Jesus, are we going off the rails already? Welcome to Game Talk Radio. I'm Greg. We're going to talk about some stories today. We got four, three, one, two, three, four different stories today. So we'll get rocking on that. We, of course, have our Game of the Week, which is actually not a retro game this week, but it's retro-inspired. So if you listen to the Dropcast last night live on Twitch, uh, I talked about it there. And, of course, I did a first look video and I did death compilation video, but we're going to talk about my Game of the Week. So if you haven't seen anything on YouTube, uh, you'll have to check that out. It's super good and super frustrating. We'll talk about it. Uh, And then, for the first time in I don't know how long, forever perhaps i don't have anything in my pickup pile i didn't bring home a single game this week please be proud of me i am proud of myself (laughs) i cannot believe the last month has been like bonkers with me bringing stuff home and it's normally not like that it's just it just so happened that we've had this incredible stuff come through and i've been buying a lot of stuff uh so uh, i don't have a pickup pile of the week Um, I don't have any user questions, but again, as always, if you want to send in a user question, I would love to answer anything. I mean, you could ask me anything like, you know, what's your favorite game? You know, which is like the most basic question of all time. I'll answer it. I don't don't care. What's your favorite RPG? What's the best game on PS1? Is the PlayStation 3 better than the 360? I don't care. Ask me anything. Um, Years and years and years in the industry. So I would love to share that with you. Uh, so there's that. Uh, so I don't have a question this week. I don't have uh, tweet me at Game Trade Greg. By the way, it's right here in the video if you see it, over over here. <laughs> and uh, and uh, just tweet at me. It's all good. Uh, so it's been a wild couple of weeks. I know I talked to you last week about it, <clears throat> but uh, the store has been getting just busier and busier. And of course, this is one of those weird things, right? So obviously. You want the store to be busy. You know, you don't you don't want the store to be slow. But sometimes I'm allowed to complain about it being busy because it's stressful, right? It's weird uh, because the one thing that is the most amount of work in the store is actually the driving force of our business. It's our trade-ins. But when someone brings you, uh, you know, trade-ins it's the most amount of work we have to do and so we've just been getting a lot of trade-ins the weekends have been insane uh not this last weekend but the weekend before when i worked we did double what we normally do on a weekend like the friday saturday sunday monday we did double what we normally do it's crazy and so you know it's got me thinking like man is this gonna end you know that this normally the summer slows down uh because people are going outside and stupid shit like that <laughs> and they're not inside playing video games but that's not happening We've had some amazing weather. Like, this is the summer. If people complain about summer not being summery enough, this is the summer they wanted. It, every day is, like, muggy, stupid hot. You could go swimming, like, every day, practically, um, this this month. It's been crazy. It's been great. You know, a few rainstorms in there, but you know what I'm talking about. It's just been really, really good if you're into such things. I personally don't like I don't like it. I don't like summer. I don't like going outside in the really, really hot sun. I don't like mowing my lawn, although I got a nice tan. I'm pretty happy with my tan going on. Um, but no, I don't, uh, I don't, uh, particularly like summer. I I prefer fall. Fall is my favorite time of year. Like, like mid September to end of October is like my favorite, like October would be my favorite month, except lately it's just been really shitty in November. (laughs) But, um, so anyway, um, I dropped in two S bombs already. Sorry about that. Uh, PG fans at home. I don't know what's going on with me today. Uh, cruddy weather. (laughs) Not like saying that makes me go back in time. <laughs> and now you didn't hear those bad words because I fixed it with cruddy and poopy. Uh, and uh, so the storm's going to be. So because of that, we've thought, well, are we, you know, should I be looking for another employee? And it's it's so tough because one, it's hard to find good people. And if you're not going to hire somebody full time, it's hard to not have somebody on full time staff but have your expectations of them be a full-time staff. And so, you know, you want someone to care about the job like it's their number one priority, but how do they make it their number one priority when it's a part-time job, right? And so it's hard. That's hard. But that's my job as a boss, as a manager, 
it's my job to get people to buy into the company or to buy into me and to work hard for me. So that's my job. That's 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 what I do. And that's what I do best. I mean, hell, for 11 years at GameStop, I was basically always working with my employees to not care about the to not care about the company, but I wanted my employees to care about me. That was the strategy I had to employ. No people that worked at GameStop were like, man, I want to work extra hard so GameStop puts more money in their pocket. Nobody was saying that. Um, but what people would say is, hey, Greg's a good manager. He takes care of me. He, he works around my schedule. I want to make sure Greg's not stressing out. And so you make him work for you. And now does that work in like high level upper management companies? Probably not. Um, but that's how I worked it at that level and it worked really well. Um, because GameStop's a weird job. You know, I mean, any of the positions are weird jobs in the sense that they pay you literally, I mean, lower than most jobs would. But that's because they know there's so many people that want the job. And so you don't have to pay someone really well. I mean, I could pay my guys probably just above minimum wage and they would still do it because they love what they do. And that's crazy, though. Like to me, that's taking advantage of them. I I think they should be paid on the quality work they do. And so I, I pay them accordingly. Um. So, yeah, so so that, that thought's always tough, especially when you think about wanting to have a second store one day. You're like, I, I, I'm, I'm like losing my mind running one store. You know, and there's a, there's a place in town here called Mojo's. They have four different stores around the state. And it's like, man, how do you do four stores? Like, how do you do that? I, I mean, and, and Charlie, the owner, you know, he, he's a good guy and, and he'll, um, he'll, uh, like he, 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 he runs around like a million miles a second. Like dude's got energy for days. But man, I just don't know how you do it. I, I feel like I get so stressed out over this one, trying to make this one so perfect and so awesome. And maybe that's my fault. Maybe my, I'm put too much pressure on myself and, and I would have to lower that. But, you know, I've also thought about it. Would I rather have two good stores or one awesome store? And I guess I, I'm always going to come down to the having one awesome store. Plus, I love working with those guys. I don't want to work in a store with without Dom or Dave. Like, man, they, they make this all worth it. Um, so yeah, so it might be time though to look for, for some help. And so I had an old friend who was a friend of mine for a while and he's been a customer and he worked with Dom at Best Buy. And, and so we're, you know, we're, we're going to see, we're going to be contacting some people and putting some feelers out there. And I don't know, it's, it's tough. You know, it, it really, really is tough. Um, and we'll, so we'll kind of see where that all goes, but, um, the stories we're going to talk about today is we've got four stories. The first one, we're going to talk about GameStop had an article, an exclusive article on Engadget of all places, about how they want to revamp their stores, uh, which is nothing new. And we'll talk about that. Um, uh, the Madden 20 player rankings came out, so we're going to go over that. I know I got some Madden matchup peeps who listen to this, who uh, who love listening to me on uh, the Fan 107.5, which is happening again this year, unless something crazy happens. I already talked to Rookie. already talked to Bill. It should be on unless uh, all of a sudden out of nowhere they try to charge me more money or something. Because a lot of people don't realize that, but it is an advertisement for me. I pay to advertise on their station. Um, but what I did, instead of calling in and having it be something like, you know, oh, tell me about what games are hot at the shop today, Greg. And then I'm just like, uh, this new game just came out. Like, instead of doing that, we thought, let's conceptualize, like, I want to be a part of the show. And I love the, the, the fan morning show, guys. I absolutely love it. And so I said, hey let's talk about it. <laughs> and, uh, and so we, we sat down for a meeting a couple years ago. We worked it out, love it. And so I'll keep doing it unless they somehow come at me and they're like, Oh, you need to up the cost of this. And I'll be like, Ugh. in fact, like, I think it was last year, the year before I was thinking about seeing if I could get it cheaper because I wasn't really seeing a big return on my investment there. Um, I don't think I make any money doing the, the, the mad matchup. Like I don't think it reaches people that actually come in to make money, but it's really fun. <laughs> so I keep doing it. Uh, but I don't know. That's not true though either. Cause, and then, like I said, I was going to negotiate that, but then last year, almost every day somebody was coming in and like, I'd be helping a customer and they'd go to Dave or Dom, whoever else we're like, are you the one on the radio? And like, no, no, that's Greg. I'm like, Hey, what's up? You know? And then we would talk a little bit. So we were actually getting a lot of pull off those commercials. Um, it, plus it helps with what I was saying. So what I used to say was, Oh, Hey, we sell video games. That's not really, that doesn't grab a lot of that audience. And now that there aren't young people that listen to sports talk radio, but there's a lot of older people, middle-aged older people. So what I started doing was, hey, you got a box of junk in your basement? 
bring it in. Let me take a look at it. And I must have gotten at least four or five customers that brought in like just boxes of, uh, you know, boxes. of I don't want to say junk, but but boxes of old electronics. And I'm like, yeah, let me go through it. And there was some Atari stuff there. There was someone had a Nintendo, Super Nintendo 64. There was good stuff in there. So I did get some money back on that. Now, could I estimate if I'm going to make the money back that I paid for the commercials? And yeah, yeah. I don't really put that much thought into it, to be honest. I just love doing it, and it's a lot of fun. So anyway, we're going to go over the Madden 20 player ratings. We're going to talk about like the top 10 in every position, roughly. Uh, we're going to talk about this Gears 5 controversy, which isn't a controversy. The controversy is how bad games journalism is. We're going to talk about that. It's, uh, Gears 5 will not depict any smoking in the game. We're going to talk about that. And then lastly, this isn't really much of a story, I guess, more my take on something, but... Uh, on Kotaku's podcast this week, they, or last week, they talked about the Nintendo Switch Lite. Now, I want to talk about the Switch Lite, but it literally was announced the day after I did the podcast last week. And by this time, it's six days old. If you don't know what the Switch Lite is, Nintendo's basically releasing a Switch Mini, a new Nintendo Switch that's just handheld. We'll talk about that. But really, it was something, the, the headline was something along the lines of this is the final nail in the coffin for the 3DS. And so then people are like, oh, that's not true. Nintendo's going to support the 3DS. And I thought, why would you want that? <laughs> you want the switch is better in every way. Just move on to the switch. My God, quit clinging on to some old busted system. I really wish though that somehow, and I know there's not two screens, so it's not really possible, but I really do wish somehow you could get like 3ds games on the switch. Or I hope we see kind of what we saw in the PS3 and PS4 generation where a lot of games were quote unquote HD remastered. I'd love to see that. And some companies are doing it. Yo-Kai watch is being remade for the switch. The first one, I think that's great. I can't wait to play that game. Cause I don't want to play it on a handheld. I'm not a handheld gamer. You know, we've talked about that. Um, but, um, let's see here. Okay. Hold on a second. Uh, okay, cool. Um, so we're going to get started here with these uh, four stories. And uh, yeah, and like I said, we have a, a game of the week, which we're going to talk about really, really good. And then uh, we don't have a pickup power. We don't have a user question. So we're just going to roll with it. And uh, and let's get this shindig started. Uh, I'm just going to take a final sip of my, my beverage. <sighs> That's refreshing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> and, uh, and here we go. So first up on the podcast today, I want to talk about this GameStop story that came out. And this is funny and it's kind of sad and there's a whole lot going on here. So let's unpack it. But the headline in an exclusive article with John Fingers, <laughs> um, John Fingers, uh, it's an article. Here's the headline. GameStop hopes renovations will keep its retail stores alive. It's bending that more playable games, esports and retro stores will help. So the headline, or the, excuse me, the article goes on to say, GameStop thinks it has a way to keep its stores relevant as downloads take hold. Revamp the stores themselves. The chain has unveiled a team-up with designers at RGA on a pilot program to renovate stores and give them a place in the video gaming culture. The concept stores will have layouts and purposes meant to appeal more directly to gamers. You'll have new ways to try games before buying them, shops that cater solely to retro games and hardware, and even esports competition with homegrown leagues. The two companies didn't say when they expected these pilot stores to be ready. They did, however, plan to try the new locations in, quote, a select market, end quote. So before I get to the rest of this, I have to say, concept stores are not a new idea at all. This kind of makes it sound like, this This article makes it sound like GameStop's got a new idea. They're going to have these concept stores that directly appeal to gamers. And uh, they've been doing this forever. Um, I actually, oh my goodness, how long would that have been? I've had my store for eight years. Probably 12 or 13 years ago, I was a manager of a concept store at GameStop. Uh, it was an old Payless shoe store that GameStop had had some deal where it bought a bunch of Payless shoe stores that were independent stores. So this wasn't a GameStop that was in a strip center. It was weird. It was actually a standalone building, which was very uncommon for GameStop. There typically were a mall store or, uh, like I said, in a strip center, a shopping center. And this was a completely standalone building. Pretty cool. Huge store compared to most GameStop. Twice to three times as big as the average GameStop store, I would say. So very cool. I opened the store. Um, it was fun. But it was concept, concept, quote unquote, in the idea that they just did different things to try them out. And so it was, uh, it, it was our store had these huge like metal pillars with huge posters advertising games. And then they had these like two, uh, twice as many demo units. So you had two PS2 demo units, two Xbox demo units, and, and uh, two Wii demo units. 
And like, okay, I mean, I guess that's cool. I don't see how that makes it any more fun. And then there were just some different sort of racks and design things they tried. So this is nothing new, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. The, uh, the idea that there is, the idea that there is, like these concept stores are going to somehow save the company isn't accurate. Now, what they're trying to do in the concept stores could. So let's talk a little bit about that. So in the headline they talk about, or in the byline, excuse me, it's betting that more playable games, esports, and retro stores will help. So uh, the article goes on to say, it's far from certain that this will help. GameStop has tried shaking up its retail formula before without much success, such as selling mobile devices and including more game paraphernalia, such as walls of Funko Pop figures. And while these efforts might convince more people to visit the stores, they won't necessarily lead to more sales. Retro gamers still depend on physical purchases, but esports competitors aren't necessarily going to spend money at GameStop just because they played a tournament in a store. Still, this is acknowledgement that GameStop has to do something beyond cutting costs if it's going to keep its retail operations afloat, assuming they can survive in the first place. Physical game sales are unlikely to bounce back, and console sales could slump until at least the next generation's debut in 2020. GameStop doesn't have much else to lose by experimenting with new store formats, and if nothing else, the concepts could help the retailer shake up its reputation. So that's the end of the article, but there's actually a few inaccuracies here at the end. One, uh, there's they don't have much to lose by experimenting with new store formats. Yeah, they do actually. They have a lot of money to lose <laughs> because you you set up a store, you 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 host tournaments, you put money up for prizes, you try to change your rep. That all costs money. You know the time it takes employees to set things up like that. First of all, you do have something to lose. If you have a bad bad concept, you're gonna lose money. So there is something to lose there. Um, console sales could slump. I mean, obviously they said could, so it's just a guess on their part that it's possible. And while it certainly is typically what you'll see and i don't know if you'll see it with sony this year because quite frankly they don't need to they're still selling like crazy we don't have a ps4 in stock at the store i have like 15 xbox ones and no ps4s it's crazy it's crazy time i don't know what's going on with it uh well yes i do uh ps4s <laughs> that's really good games that's, that's what it's really about um so we uh so system sales could slump or if they're appropriately price dropped they could soar. You know, I, I was working at, at GameStop. I think it was technically still software, et cetera, at the time when the Dreamcast went down to $99.99. And when the Dreamcast hit 100 bucks, they flew. So sometimes the price point is what matters. And that's kind of what I was saying about the Switch Lite um, a little bit was that the Switch Lite's price point's pretty good. But if they could have got it, and I know I'm not saying they should have. I'm just saying if that price point had been one. 49 or even 179 which is what the uh, new 3ds xls are Ooh, that would have been a big like gut shot for that uh for, for moving systems because that, that would move it's weird there's like this magical price like window that it it clicks something in people's brain it clicks with them and says hey this price means it's i gotta get it um, it, it's very strange, but it's awesome. And so, like I said, Dreamcast went sub hundred, went ninety nine ninety nine. They flew off the shelf, and you couldn't keep them in stock. And the Dreamcast is a great system, obviously. I love my Dreamcast, but the PS two you know, beat it up and down the street. <laughs> and so, but to have it outsell, I, I don't have the data, but I would assume that the month it dropped down to ninety nine ninety nine, it probably outsold the PS two that month because they were just flying. And I know that's anecdotal. Uh, based on my experience, but I mean that's what I was seeing uh, as a as a whole, and I saw so many more people with Dreamcast systems after that. So I can't necessarily say that 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 yes, they could slump in, until the next generation of consoles, but they might not. And if they can do the right price drops at the right time, hardware sales stay sol stay solid, and then you start the new hardware, and then that fires off. So there, it's it's you know there yes, it's possible, but it's not a guaranteed thing that the system sales will slump. So one of the ideas, so let's talk about their types of stores, some of the things they want to do. So they want to do more playable games. So one of the things they noted in the article was they want to have more ways for people to play games before they buy them. I think demos are great. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Uh, but I don't know how else they're going to do that without, I don't think they're going to get help from that. Now, they could have demo units. I mean, a lot of games have demos. So if you were able to put systems in stores and give your stores like actual real internet that they could connect to, you could connect to that and then have demos download on the system and have have like three or four demo units playing you know different demos so you can say hey look this is the dragon quest builders 2 demo let's pre-order you a whole bunch you know um a funny story again this is anecdotal of my experience 
But the power of a demo is like unmatched. Uh, when Batman Arkham Asylum was coming out, okay, so no one knew if Batman was going to be any good. This new Batman game is coming out. And I remember we downloaded the demo on our, I think I put it on a flash drive and then brought it in to the store because there was no way to connect it. Anyway, I, I was able to bring the demo in from home, brought it into the store, and I, I remember everybody who played it pre-ordered it, everybody. And I remember, I think there was a conference call we had where at the time, everybody had like 10 to 15 to 20 pre-orders, and I had like 150. We were just destroying people on this one, and people were like, what's your secret? I said, put in the demo unit. Let people play it. I mean, Batman's a great example because the combat is was so mind-blowing at the time, like how smooth it was and how amazing it was, was that, yeah, this is incredible. Put it in there. Let people play it. They will pre-order. If anybody who played that demo didn't pre-order it, I'd be very surprised because it was just that. It was awesome. It was great, great demo. And so I could see that. I could see the stores having more demos, more people able to play, get people convinced that this game's good, get them to pre-order on the spot. Totally makes sense. Size is a problem, though, and obviously in a in a we used to call them prototype stores, but um, you know prototype stores or concept stores, um, or stores of the future. That's another that's another term. Store of the future. Store of the future. <laughs> and uh, if they're not new stores that are as big as the one I opened, which most aren't, where do you have you don't have room for this sort of stuff? If you go to any normal GameStop, you don't have room to set up eight demo units <laughs> around the store unless you take product out. Well, demo units don't really make you money. They can get you pre-orders, which will lead to sales in the future, but you can't take down a wall of pops that's making you money today so you can hopefully make money in a pre-order tomorrow. You know what I mean? And so that's weird. Um, so, But again, I like the concept. I like the idea. I think going into a store and playing more games, it's kind of the Best Buy effect and Amazon effect. For a long time, people would go to Best Buy and they would, or they would, they would go on, uh, yeah, they would go to Best Buy and go, oh, I love this camera. And then they would go on Amazon, order it and have it shipped to them because it was a better price. Best Buy got really aggressive with price matching. Now they say, well, if you come into our store and you physically touch it and you like it, and Amazon's got it cheaper, just tell us we'll match Amazon, which makes total sense. Like they were they were losing business to Amazon that way. Better to sell something for a little bit less than not sell it at all. And so they learned and they price matched Amazon, that great, great program for them. And it worked out, but people love to see something in person and touch it and feel it. Uh, it one of the oldest sales tricks in the book. And if you've ever been to my store, I'm sorry, I've probably pulled it on you, but put the product in someone's hand you get the product in someone's hand they're probably they have a much 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 more likely chance to buy that product so if someone wants to take a look at something out of the glass case or they'll say something like i was i was wondering about that secret of mana in the glass case like oh let's go take a look at it i pull it out i put it right in their hand like here it is let's take a look at it and then we talk a little about it we kind of get everything all set up and then before you know it I'll take it. Like, of course you will, you silly goose. <laughs> this is <laughs> welcome to my world. Uh, I know it might sound like shady, but it's not. I'm not like convincing them to buy stuff. I'm just saying it. It works. Having product in people's hands works. So, with that being said, the second thing they want to do is more esports stuff. And again, the same issue applies. I think it'd be very cool if GameStop hosted a bunch of tournaments. I think that'd be great. I would love to see them become like a social hub for people who love video games to come together. I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But as someone myself who used to run monthly tournaments at my store a long time ago and I stopped was because uh, two reasons. One, it's hard to get people organized. And if you charge people for the tournament, then people don't want to pay. If you don't have a big enough prize pool because nobody wants to pay to get into the tournament, nobody wants to play in the tournament because there's not a big enough prize pool. It's like the fighting game community in particular, very frustrating. Um, not saying you couldn't have like, instead of fighting games, let's do a, a Fortnite tournament or a PUBG tournament or an Overwatch tournament except every one of those needs a dedicated machine. Again, we talked about not being able to fit four demo units. Can you fit eight PCs, eight Xbox Ones, eight PS4s, and eight TVs, tables, and eight people? None of these stores, very few of these stores, are capable of doing that. And so it's uh, very weird. Um, so I, I love the idea. And again, if they get concept stores and they find like some big space to do this, maybe they have... One store in each big city, right? Like, let's say, and, and again, they're test mark. They test this sort of stuff in Texas, where the corporate headquarters is. They test this stuff out in big markets around there. But imagine this. Like, imagine in Chicago, you have one store that they rent a big space, and that store is like your tournament center. All the other stores chip in, get everyone excited, say, we're building towards a tournament at this location. That could work. That could work. But in a, in a town like Green Bay, I, I mean, there's only three GameStops. One's in a mall. One's on the east side. One's on the west side. 
I mean, what none of those stores could be the tournament store. You're not going to build a new location and spend a bunch of money just to make a bigger GameStop that could hold tournaments, especially since this is all concept at this point. And most of the time, these stores of the future, these concept stores, these, um, these, uh, you know, they don't, they don't go anywhere. Most of the time, this stuff is not implemented, at least not as the store is set up. These stores are very strange. If you ever go into a lot of them, some have these really weird marketing and design aspects that don't age very well either. Because at the time, they were like cool and industrial looking, and now they look stupid and, and, a, and a, buy from a, a bad product from a bygone era. And, uh, and so it would be interesting to, uh, to, to see how they're able to get around the size issue again. And then lastly, and a little more close to home, if you don't know, I run my own used video game store. I own my own. I should say not run. I own it. I do run it. <laughs> I run it and own it. And so I'm really big on GameStop. I don't love the fact they're carrying retro games, mostly because they buy games locally in their stores, and then they send all that product, or the stores are supposed to, they send all that product back to the corporate warehouse, and they sell it all online. So they're, what I really hate about them is they're taking local product and shipping it off to parts unknown. If you live in a city like Chicago or New York, you're fine. Millions of people to bring in product. You live in a small market like I do. We can't be giving all of our best product to a company that's going to ship it to Texas. It's killing the local supply. And so I don't like it for that reason. But they're talking about opening up retro stores. So could you imagine having a GameStop store that's all retro and nothing current, or maybe it's half current, half retro, or maybe it's retro and gamer memorabilia. I don't know what the combination would be. But the challenge with that is GameStop's computer system, and this is something that was happening when I was there, It was de it's designed to be foolproof practically. When you scan someone's game in to pay them a certain price, it's a price set in stone. You cannot adjust that price. I mean, I think you can technically, but that gets flagged by corporate. You can't, you can't change trade prices. Everything is set for you. Which is nice because it's, imagine that, like having, you know, I talked earlier about minimum wage employees. So imagine them not being able to make mistakes because you took out that equation, took that mistake, mis possibility out of the equation. So that's fine, except that also takes away the freedom. Now, the thing about retro games is that condition is very important on 30 and 40 year old video games. So someone brings in a crusty ripped label copy of Earthbound, you're going to get the same amount of money. Well, and right now, let me let me just tell you this if you don't know. And right now, if you brought in that game in the box with the strategy guide and everything, they're going to pay you the same price. You get this, the, every game has one price to them. Earthbound, Earthbound in the box, it's all Earthbound to them. Earthbound in the box is an $800 game. Earthbound the cart, 160 to 200 is kind of where it floats. So imagine having Earthbound in the box, going in there, and GameStop's like, we'll give you 50 bucks. Like, okay, and then you don't know any better. In fact, you might think, cool, 50 bucks for this busted old game. And then you really had a game worth that you should have gotten four or five hundred dollars for in, in the secondhand market. Like, like you could have sold that directly to somebody for eight hundred, but if you wanted to sell it to a reseller so that you could spare yourself the hassle. And so that is a problem. Uh, any anything like that. Legend of Zelda loose cart, $25 game. Legend of Zelda in the box, dead mint with all the inserts, that could be over a hundred. Same thing with Turtles in Time, $40 game in the box, 150 to 200 in great condition. Chrono Trigger, I think it's about a $100 loose cart, $300 in the box if it's mint condition. I mean, these are some huge gaps. So normally in a store like mine, it's quite difficult. You have to be trained on that. You have to, and the training takes a very long time because my, my employees are essentially, I call, I call them buying agents. They're, they have to look at everything that they buy in and they have to pick the price. There's no computer system saying, hey, pay five bucks for every copy of Until Dawn that comes in on PS2. We have to look that all up. And while that can sometimes take longer, it's the only way to be accurate. And so that's obviously a huge challenge. Are you going to have retro GameStop stores where there's a specific staff trained to handle the retro market? Are you going to add SKUs for complete in-box games versus loose games? I don't, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's all weird stuff. Maybe they'll only do loose carts. Maybe they won't want to get into complete and box stuff. So then what happens is just like when you have a collector's edition, you take it to GameStop today, like say Sekiro, right? They don't buy used collector's editions there. So if you take the Sekiro collector's edition into GameStop, they'll buy it like it's a regular copy of Sekiro. And then usually what happens is the employees, since it's the same to the company, they take the game out, they sticker the game, they put it on the shelf, they take all the collector's edition stuff for home <laughs> for free <laughs> because, uh, because yeah because it's not in the inventory technically the only thing in the inventory is the actual game itself 
crazy stuff. So again, these are the challenges that come with GameStop and their three sort of, you know, concept store ideas. And and that's where I was talking about how, you know, at the end of the, at the, end of the article here, it, again, they talked about how they don't have much to lose. Well, if you want to experiment with an esports area and so you buy or rent a huge building, you have a lot to lose. You have a lot of money to lose on that failed venture if it fails, you know? And so there's there's a lot going on here. I mean, again, I've said this before. I'm, I don't want GameStop to go away. I do believe that they have their place in this gaming ecosystem that my store is also a part of. I don't look at them like competition. Um, plus, a lot of people work there. And, and a lot of people who work there are proud to work there. So I don't like to see a company go away. I say this all the time. I don't want them to go away. I want them to be better. And I understand that employees can't make that change at their level. But corporate can make these changes. And maybe at least thinking this way is going to be their way of saying, we're trying. Whew, GameStop stories. Ugh. I love GameStop stories because it's one thing I know the most about and I can share my experience. Even eight years after being gone, I still can share my experience there. And I'll tell you this. It feels weird. But I, I I can't remember I remember what it was like working there. I have a lot of memories of working there, but I don't I don't remember it like it was a time like it feels like a lifetime ago. I don't know how else to describe it. You know? I I loved my time there. I really did. Up until the end, you know? I mean I, I really did like it and I was loyal to that company and while that loyalty wasn't returned and I'm obviously glad I'm not there anymore, um it's just wow, you know, I, I don't know. It's uh, it's it's sad. I don't want to see him go away because I want there. I, I just imagine that there's no dedicated corporate toy stores anymore. There's about not to be a dedicated video game corporate anymore, which obviously if they're gone, though, that could open a gap for a lot of indie stores like myself to take up that role. And I actually think that's a good thing. I think more small companies is better. I think more big companies, not better, uh, especially huge companies and GameStop after they bought Funko land and then bought EB games, there was no one to challenge that market as a dedicated video game market. And so then it was, you know, it's the same thing that happens always competition drives the best out of companies. There's no competition. They just kind of run wild unfettered to do whatever they think is best. And they don't have anyone ever nipping at their heels, you know? And that's why I'm very thankful. I say this all the time, very thankful for stores like, like Zach. And while we're good friends at, at Zach at press start, we're very good friends, but we are competitors in a sense. Like we are competing business, but we're, we're friends. And you know, if he's working his butt off and I always know he's back there, I'm never going to stop pushing hard because I've got to keep my reputation. I've got to keep my standing because you've got another guy running another great store coming up behind you. And it's, it's, it's crazy. Um, but I think that's a good thing. And I, I need that. I, I need a good push. Not that I can't self-motivate, but I love knowing that if, if I want to say that I feel like my store is the best in the state, which I do feel that way. And that's no offense to anybody else who runs video game stores. Well, I feel like my store is the best in the state. It doesn't necessarily mean it's always going to be. <laughs> and, and if I want to keep that title, I sh damn sure better, uh, better fight for it. <sighs> Excuse me. Sorry. My throat's been bothering me all day. So I'm poorly choice drinking a Coca-Cola here. Um, okay. So next up on the podcast today, we're going to talk a little bit of football Madden style. So Madden, uh, EA sports released the Madden 20 NFL rankings. And we're going to go through this. We're going to go through the three, um, big time positions. I think we'll stick with, uh, we'll stick with uh, quarterback running back wide receiver. I'm sticking to offense today. Um, nothing wrong with defense. I'm not a, I'm not a defensive hater. I just don't have all the time in the world to go over all these. Um, so uh, let's start with the quarterback position, arguably the most important position on a football team. And the one thing you have to remember about Madden ratings is that they're based off of last year. So you can't, you can't get mad if like you have a quarterback who you think is the greatest of all time or a really, really, really good quarterback down here, <laughs> down here in like number nine position, uh, right? You know, one of your favorite quarterbacks, your team right here. Um, you can't be mad if, if he may not be where you want him to be on your list because this is really based on last year's performance. And these stats are always fluctuating throughout the season. We see that a lot. And so it depends on their performance. However, with that being said, the number one quarterback 
not surprising, Patrick Mahomes. Coincidentally, the cover boy <laughs> for Madden this year. So, of course, 97 overall. Whew, whew, Shenny, that is a good score. Uh, next up, we have Tom Brady, 96. Philip Rivers, 94. Drew Brees, 92. Andrew Luck rounds out the top five with 92. I think my only issue with this list, uh, I think Andrew Luck's a little high. Not that he didn't have a good comeback year last year, but uh, they were playing from behind a lot. <laughs> so, we, like, and that's kind of the same thing with uh, Matthew Stafford. He always has like really padded stats because they're always playing from behind. The dude chucks the ball fifty-five times a game. Although, so is Aaron Rodgers with uh, McCarthy calling the plays. So then, uh, after that, you have Russell. I would argue Russell Wilson should be above Andrew Luck. Um, just, I guess that's just my thing. Uh, and then Aaron Rodgers. So this is my boy. Obviously, if you don't know, I'm located in Green Bay, Wisconsin. So of course, I'm a Packers fan for life. A 90 rating, which people often talk about. You know, the greatest of all time, the goat, and he's in that conversation. And so you look at this, you're like, wow, a 90 for some. It's this is again based off of last year when he didn't have a great year. He was hurt a bunch, which he's been hurt a lot. So hopefully he can have just one healthy season with a new offense coordinator, a new coach. And let's maybe have a good, like a great season. How amazing would that be? Uh, and he is above Matt Ryan, Ben Roethlisberger, Cam Newton, Jared Goff, Jared Goff at an 83. I feel that might be a little bit low. You know, I thought, I thought they were pretty good. Um, Baker Mayfield at 83 and then 82 for Deshaun Watson cars. Not that 80 is bad or anything, but, uh, yeah, that's not great. I mean, I'm, I'm surprised. I feel like that's a little low. Um, Dak Prescott at 81. I mean, they they struggled. Uh, Matt Stafford at 79 I think is really unfair. I, I think that's pretty low, actually. Um, the guy's got really good arm strength, good accuracy. You know, he's a little loose with the ball. But, um, yeah, so very, very interesting here. Uh, so I guess that's my only real takeaway is I feel like based on performance last year, Rodgers is still getting a lot of credit. And so I think that's about where he is. Hopefully it's low enough to kind of, Hopefully he sees this and he gets pissed off by it and then he comes back for more. But I think that I think Andrew Luck's the only one's maybe a little higher than he should be. Um awareness 96. Like I don't I don't know. It's like I look at that, I don't see that as much as I do when I look at like Aaron Rodgers' awareness. Like you ever see him in the pocket like he just knows. The way he moves in the pocket when he's not hurt is like it's crazy. It's awesome. Um but anyway, uh so that's the uh that's the quarterbacks. Ah, it's it's you know, it seems fine, I guess. Um, let's do running backs. So the number one overall running back, Todd Gurley, makes total sense. <laughs> Guy was a machine last year. Um, which I think he's... Uh, is it him that's uh, saying he wants a new contract or he's out? Or was that Melvin Gordon? I can't remember. But anyway, so Todd Gurley, number one. Ezekiel Elliott, number two. Le'Veon Bell, number three. I'll get to that when I'm done here. Melvin Gordon, the third, number four. Uh, number five, Saquon Barkley. He did great. Um, number six, Christian McCaffrey. Uh, seven, Kareem Hunt, Alvin Kamara, Devonta Freeman, and Joe Mixon rounds out the top ten. So, okay, I get Le'Veon Bill's really good, right? So I'm totally – I'm on board with that, right? The guy's incredibly talented in the Pittsburgh offense. <laughs> he sat out last year. How can you give the guy an A2? Like, really, he should be lower because you don't know. <laughs> I mean, are you basing this off of the last time he played? Because that's kind of weird, isn't it? I mean, if you based it off the last time he played, wouldn't he have been like a 97? It's weird. It's almost like they didn't want to, to like, knock him, but they didn't want to give him the best scores. They just kind of, like, threw in a 92. But third best running back. And I haven't looked at the fantasy football rankings yet. Still a little too early for me. But... I, I'm very curious where he is. In that Jets offense? Uh, I don't know. I don't know the Jets. So, uh, sorry. Sorry, Hulk, if you're listening. I know you don't, but if you're listening, I'm sorry, dude. Just the Jets, man. Come on, man. Um, otherwise, I, the list is fine. You know, uh, I'm very curious to see how Cream Hunt does in the Browns, but they've got Cream Hunt. They've got OBJ. And they've got Baker Mayfield. Like, the Browns could be legit, man. I mean, that, that could be a good team. And that's very – I'm very happy to see that. As a Packer fan who lived through the 80s, okay, the pre-Brett Favre era, I know a lot of you listeners out there. I know some of you may have, some of you didn't. If you're watching this video, I assume you like football. If you're older and if you're watching this because you saw me share the video on Twitter and you watch my Madden matchup, then most of you will be old enough to remember the, the tough times for the Green Bay Packers. It was very difficult to be a fan. 
in the 80s because they weren't winning a lot. Every now and then you'd have something like Domikowski comes along and you're like, oh, this guy's awesome. And then he gets hurt. And that was actually in the 90s. But you're like, man, he gets hurt. You're like, come on, man. Like, this just nothing ever works out. Uh, and then Brett Favre comes along and, and um, Mike Holmgren, Brett Favre, and uh, and uh, Reggie White. Oh, my God. That was a great time. And then we roll from Brett Favre having mostly winning seasons. He had a couple losers too, but always having a chance to win because of your amazing quarterback. You go from that into Aaron Rodgers, who instantly gives you a chance to win the Super Bowl every year. At least gives you the chance. So we've been very blessed the last 20 years. <laughs> 20, 20 years, man. Almost 20 years we've been blessed as Packer fans, and we've gotten a little uh, ridiculous with our expectations. So I love the fact that the Browns have a great chance to do some real work here uh, with the team they got. Christian McCaffrey, he was great. That offense was built around him. Dude's a machine. Uh, Barclay did great. He was a rookie last year, too. I mean, he did great. G Gordon finally starting to get in the end zone, which is crazy because for the longest time, like I had him on my fantasy league the year that he got a ton of yards and could not get in the end zone. I think it took like eight games to get in the end zone. It was ridiculous. And then Le'Veon Bell, Ezekiel Elliott, and Todd Gurley, number one. Todd Gurley totally deserves it. The guy is awesome, although he disappeared in the playoffs. I don't know if he was hurt or whatever, but um, yeah, so that's your that's your running back position. It's pretty pretty fair. I don't I don't like see anything that would have been a mix. Um, I'm looking down here, and this this is sad because the first Packers running back is Aaron Jones at, with an 81 rating, which isn't terrible. Um, but uh, yeah, ugh, yeah, I don't know. That's a, that's a shame. And then uh, as we keep on scrolling, <laughs> it's these times are tough. We're on to like the third running backs on most teams. We haven't even gotten to the second running back in Green Bay. Come on, come on. Where is he at? Oh goodness, we're just gonna keep going. We're just gonna keep. How far can we go down? <laughs> Jeez, I must have missed one. There it is. Sorry, Jamal Williams. He was seventy six. So yeah, you know. Ugh. But again, Packers running backs aren't their strong game, even though that one-two punch is really, really good. Aaron Jones got some talent, too. And uh, and and so we'll have to see how that works out. And maybe he'll do better in an offense that's not run, run, run. Or it's not run, run, then throw a bomb on third and 15. <laughs> we'll see how it goes the new Packers offense. Um, all right. And then let's do wide receiver. The most diva of the positions in the NFL um, number one, and one of the few 99s in the game, DeAndre Hopkins, guy's a, guy's a beast. I mean, he does good work. Um, Antonio Brown, obviously Antonio Brown's awesome. And then the Raiders this year, Derek Carr throwing to him. We'll see how that goes. Julio Jones, 98. Um, Odell Beckham Jr., 96. Michael Thomas, 95. Tyreek Hill, 94. Adam Thielen, 94. And Stefan Diggs, 93. The Vikings have two... Two, three, four, five, six, seven. Two of the top eight are Vikings. Are you kidding me? And then Devontae Adams with a 92. And then we're scrolling down. We're scrolling down. We're scrolling down to find the next Packer wide receiver. We're scrolling down. Not a lot of love. Randall Cobb got an 80. He's not a Packer anymore. Makes me very, very sad. He's on the Cowboys now. So. Um, man, where are these other Packers wide receivers? What's happening here? This is not good. Geronimo Allison's really good, too. I, I I think he deserves better. Yeah, here he is with a uh, 74 overall rating. He was hurt last year, though, so, again, not a lot of info to go off of. So, Devontae Adams, though, uh, top nine. So him and Aaron Rodgers basically both ninth in their positions. Uh, Devontae Adams, though, uh, this guy is tough. Uh, he's a very good route runner. Like, he's breaking people's ankles, like, weekly. Um, the guy's really good. Uh, but he and he even had a great year when Rodgers was out the whole year. That's what's nuts. Every other Packer wide receiver suffered except for Devontae Adams. He was like the one guy uh, that they would always go to. Uh, the guy is great. If he stays healthy, they always have a shot. Him and Aaron Rodgers every year keep getting like stronger with their connection. Could be great. Uh, yeah, this all makes sense to me though. Michael Thomas, good stuff. I mean, you got Drew Brees thrown to you. OBJ, it's hard to say. Uh, you know, Baker can throw it up and. Uh, you know, if there's an offense that's built around him, and uh, it could be good. Julio Jones, he's obviously incredible. Antonio Brown, incredible. DeAndre Hopkins, incredible. I mean, this all makes sense to me. Um, 
yeah, Julian Edelman's uh, up there. Amari Cooper, Keenan Allen, AJ Green, and T.Y. Hilton. They kind of bring up like the next five after Devontae Adams, Mike Evans. There's these are really good receivers, um, but a lot of them suffering from partial injuries or quarterbacks that aren't playing that great, and so their numbers go down kind of along with it. But uh, and then lastly, let's take the position out of here, and let's just go by launch ratings. Let's see the overall ratings for everyone. Aaron Donald. 99 deandre hopkins 99 khalil mack 99 bobby wagner 99 those are your four 99 rated players yeah i mean i can't really argue with that and khalil mack whoo that guy's a monster i wish the packers had gotten him <laughs> it breaks my heart knowing that he's gonna be breaking air not just his leg this year <laughs> um but check this out bakhtiari 97 that that's really respectable um the the first old lineman on this list so that's pretty awesome um Let's see, the next Packer player after him, I think it's probably going to be Aaron Rodgers. Is that true? I guess technically Devontae had a higher rating than Rodgers because he was at 92 and Rodgers was at 90. But, yeah, so those are the Madden. Uh, definitely check out. You can look at your own team, uh, see what you think. Uh, Madden 20 ratings or whatever, like I said, they fluctuate every week based on performance. So they're going to slightly be adjusted based on how the year plays out. But, man, even seeing this come out means football's coming. It is a month and a half to football almost barely two months at most Whew, i cannot wait and like i said fall is my favorite time of year so fall football man it's all good can't wait all right next up on the podcast today we're going to talk about this weird controversy about gears of war 5 and the controversy that isn't a controversy at all completely drummed up by bad journalism and uh games journalism in particular but also not games journalism because it originated in variety. And so we're going to read through this, and I'm going to try to unpack this for you. There's some weird stuff going on here, because I'm not sure whose fault it is. <laughs> um, but basically, this was the story that Variety printed last week. Gears 5, the forthcoming, the forthcoming installment of the Gears of War third-person shooter game franchises, will be a smoke-free establishment. The game set for September 10th comes from Xbox Game Studio and game developer The Coalition. The decision to remove all smoking references from Gears 5 came after not-for-profit anti-smoking organization Truth Initiative approached Turner, whose E-League eSports division has broadcast rights to the title, about making the change. Turner collaborated with The Coalition to strip out smoking from the game. Turner is promoting the partnership with Truth for this weekend's E-League Gears Summer Series Invitational. The esports tournament is taking place July 13-14 with live coverage on Twitch. The first time fans will see a Gears 5 in action. So I'm going to pause the article there for a second because what they're basically saying is that Truth Initiative, which I think they're the ones who do those like really weird anti-smoking commercials, Truth Initiative approached Turner, who has who is in charge of broadcasting the esports for Gears 5 and said we don't want smoking and then they're claiming that that truth went to Turner and Turner convinced the studio to take out smoking. And so initially this if when that was the story a lot of people were outraged saying, "Oh my god, uh, snowflake safe places you can't smoke in games anymore." And people were like outraged by it, which I also find kind of funny. Because who cares? I mean, smoking is such a, a, a weird thing now. Like, it's so unpopular. It's, it's as popular as it's ever been. Um, and so I, I just can't believe that that would be a hill a lot of people would like to die on. But whatever. You know, you talk about freedom. Okay. I, I love that people have the freedom to smoke if they want to, I guess. Uh, as long as I don't have to smell it and it doesn't affect my lungs because you're not doing it in public, then good. Then I don't care. Um, and so so that was the initial story. Uh and then, uh, it go and so then it goes on to say in a statement, and I don't know if this has been edited since. In a statement, Rod Ferguson, the studio head at the Coalition, said, "I've seen firsthand the devastating impact of smoking. It's always been important for me not to use smoking as a narrative device, which is why we made the conscious choice to avoid highlighting or glorifying smoking in Gears Five and throughout the Gears of War universe moving forward." According to a rep for Xbox Game Studios, the decision was done solely by Coalition. So in their own article here, they've just contradicted themselves. So they're saying that they they say that Truth approached Turner and Turner talked to Coalition to get rid of smoking. And then they say, and according to a rep for Xbox, the decision was made solely by the Coalition. So what is it? As a journalist, aren't you supposed to dig a little deeper and find out what's actually true so that you're accurate, so your article is accurate? I mean, is that so much to ask? 
Um, and then what's funny is, so this says, past Gears of War titles have included occasional scenes with tobacco use with certain characters holding cigarettes or cigars. The removal of tobacco depictions in Gears 5 has been months in the works, said Seth Ledesky, senior VP of Turner Sports Sales and head of Turner Sports Digital and E-League Sales Strategy and Revenue. Quote, this took a lot of time and a lot of good thinking, said Ledesky. It's the right image for E-League and the game itself to project. End quote. <laughs> so wait a minute. So I think it was, I think what really happened was, I think this guy took, tried to take credit for this happening. I think this person in charge of E-League thought this will be really good press for us if we say, hey, we made the decision not to include smoking in the E-League. Uh, and then the article goes on to say, of course, Gears 5 still includes a ton of shooting and arguably glorifies violence. The game it's the game is rated M for mature audiences, for blood and gore, strong language and intense violence, according to Microsoft. So, yeah, I guess if you'd argue that a company complained that you shouldn't have smoking in the game but didn't complain about all the murderous mayhem, I could see that. And a lot of people were making that argument. They were saying, well, oh, you have a problem with smoking, but you don't have a problem with, with blood and gore. This is stupid. Or chainsawing people in half. This is stupid. Well, that's because the game never, ever, ever had smoking in it. <laughs> so finally, because, uh, and, and here, so here, uh, let me, let me get to it. So Variety reports on this, right? Every gaming journalist site, every blog picked up this article with the same headline. Gears 5 to be smoke-free after outreach to esports broadcaster. Or Microsoft removes smoking from Gears 5 after outcry. Or something like that. So they took the Variety article, and they didn't look any further. They didn't contact Variety. They didn't contact the head of Coalition, Ferguson. They didn't contact Turner. They didn't contact anybody. They just took a Variety headline and said, oh, Variety did all their homework, so I don't have to. And they just published this this story, which was false, blatantly false. And so Rod Ferguson, after IGN, I think it was IGN, shared their article. And, and Rod Ferguson, let me see if I can bring this up. So Rod Ferguson um, actually comes out to say, actually it was was from Game Informer. Let me take a look here. Let's, let's check. Let's, oh, they must have removed it. Okay. So Rod Ferguson, I don't need this open then. Uh, let's go back to here. Rod Ferguson tweet, quote, to be fair, this isn't entirely accurate. I've been against smoking from the beginning and have worked hard to not make it a part of our franchise. Ever notice that the Dizzy concept art for Gears 2 has a cigarette, but the actual character in the game doesn't? I stopped it. Uh, he goes on to say, my dad smoked. He died of a heart attack at age 38. I was four years old when that happened. And so, <laughs> so I guess there is no controversy about Microsoft and the coalition removing smoking from gears because it was never in there. In fact, it was never even depicted in gears four or three. And I think it was removed from gears two is what he's saying. So it's frustrating because again, people were, were up on the game saying, uh, Oh, you know, this just, uh, SJWBS and now they're taking stuff out of our games and they're controlling our games and censorship and blah, blah. It has nothing to do with that. The head of the studio who's making the game made this choice. He's not being censored by anything. If you, if you want to see smoke in your game and you're mad at him for not including smoking in his game, then you don't have to play it, I guess. But how ridiculous is that? Is that what we're getting to? Is that what we're getting to now? Is that the, the developers can't make their vision of a game because it offends you? Weren't you just crying about being censored? So aren't you now, in turn, censoring the developer for making the game they want to make? Quite the dilemma, as you can see. And so it's it's frustrating to me, though, because one, I think it's a stupid thing to be out, quote unquote, outraged about and Two, It was a non story. Like, I could understand if you said, hey, like what the, the angle of the story should have been. Head of coalition for and developer of Gears five. Makes a conscious effort to not include smoking in their games. And then you could say something like, uh, you know, after making the decision, we partnered with the Truth Initiative uh, and the Turner Esports League, so we're not promoting smoking to young to young children, to younger people. Again, younger people should be playing Gears, probably, but you know what I mean. And so they made that, but the developer made that decision. That's not no one's being censored there. I, I don't understand like how people are misreading this so so badly. And then there was the other one that I heard, and, and so the other thing I heard again was kind of this, you know, um, people are smoking, you know, or uh, or or. If you think that 
smoking in video games is going to make young people smoke, but you don't think that violence in video games is going to make people violent, then that's something that should be looked into. And the problem with that, though, is that none of the research goes there. All There has been research done that correlates smoking in media to increase smoking rates in younger people, uh, teenagers, people under the legal age to smoke. As to where every, every study done on violent video games has not resulted in people being more violent. And so that's that's the tough part, right? Because we're we're like programmed essentially to, to think that they're the same thing when they're not. And that's not what research has proven. And if one day a, a research comes out and says, you know what? The p- kids playing these violent games from 10 to 12, uh, from ages 8 to 15, make them more violent. And that came out. I would be against that then in games that could be accessed by them. And I might even be, I might even be for laws then that would prevent kids from playing the games. If it was ever proven that that was an issue never has been though. And it has like, again, it's through correlation. So it's not a hundred percent like perfect, but there is, there is connecting numbers between seeing smoking in media, like as video games, movies, stuff like that. And increased, you know, it, it almost goes back to the idea of smoking being cool. You know, I don't know if they do this anymore. I don't think so. I've never, I haven't seen them in a long time. They used to sell candy cigarettes. I don't, does anyone remember that? I remember you'd buy a little box and they were little sugar sticks that had a red tip and you'd pop them in your mouth as a five to 10 year old. And they tasted like shit, by the way. And, uh, and you pretend like you were smoking at five years old, 10 years old, because it was cool. All your movie stars in the eighties thought it was smoking and cool. Um, you know, and that's one thing that I understand that because a lot of people were upset too, that there was something coming out or people, I saw articles saying that people were upset about all the smoking depicted in stranger things, but they're trying to capture the essence of the eighties. And it's not necessarily that everybody in the eighties smoked, but that was what was media was like in the eighties. There, there's literally a movie called Harley Davidson and the Marlboro man. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> which is an awesome movie, by the way. Go watch it. It kicks ass. It's uh, Don Johnson and uh, Mickey Rourke. Great movie. Harley Davidson and the Marlboro Man. Literally the title of the movie. Uh, so <laughs> it's it, it was it was a style. It was a thing. It was cool to smoke. Um, I, I never did. Um, growing up, I was never a smoker. Uh, my, my older brother, my older sister did. My mom did when she was younger before she had us kids. For me, it was always gross. I never liked it. Didn't want to smell like smoke. And it stuck with me forever. But uh, yeah, so I get why people were, you know, people did complain about that. And now Netflix is saying we're going to remove smoking from all of our original programming. It's like, okay. But it wasn't that Stranger Things was trying to depict that everyone in the 80s smoked. It was more like we're trying to depict what media was like in the 80s. Everybody in these movies was smoking. It was nuts. It was nuts. Um, Because that was like a cool thing. A cool character was hard, rugged, smoked. You know, and he shot lots of people with a gun. But so it is a little different, though. My point there was that it's a little different. The comments about uh, a little bit different when my comments about smoking being make is, is more impressionable than killing somebody. It's not on the same level. And we can't just compare the same things and be like, well, if you don't want if you think gambling at a young age affects kids and you think smoking at a young age affects kids, and you don't think violence is, we have to go where the research goes. And I don't know about the gambling one. I don't know if that's ever been proven, though, either. But smoking, it has been. And so you have to you have to go where the, where the info and the research takes you. All right. And then lastly, I'm just going to touch on this quickly because we're, we're running long a little bit. I'm going to have a, another sip of my beverage here. That's pretty good. It's kind of flat. Um... So a little bit about this uh, this article. So the Nintendo Switch Lite has sealed the 3DS's coffin. Again, this was the split-screen uh, podcast. It's a Kotaku podcast. And they, they, they make the argument that the Switch Lite, uh, which, again, if you don't know, the Switch Lite was, uh, is a new version of the Nintendo Switch. You cannot remove the Joy-Cons. It's all one piece. It does not have TV out, but it's only $199.99 as opposed to $299. It's going to be a really good handheld. I mean, this to me is the Vita killer. Uh, arguably, Sony killed the Vita only a year after it came out, but the Vita is still hanging on. This could replace the Vita as the best handheld ever made, especially since you already have a strong library. You have tons of indies on it. It could be really good. It takes micro SD cards, not some BS, you know, Sony proprietary garbage like the Vita does. And so it could be good. 
but the idea that people are clinging to the 3DS, you know, Nintendo itself has come out and said, well, we're not, we're going to support the 3DS until it's not worth supporting anymore. Well, of course they're going to say that because they're still trying to sell their 3DS systems. So you can't trust Nintendo on this. But I think what I find more, more baffling is why people are holding on to it. Okay. The 3DS came out in 2011. It's time for a new handheld to take over for the 3DS. And this, I'm so glad it's the Switch because one thing I've been sick of for years is, and, and I know this is just me, but I'm not a fan of handhelds. I don't like playing games on handhelds. I want to play games on a TV. Well, the Switch was perfect. I could take it on the go if I'm going to take a trip or I leave it docked 99.9% of the time like I do at home and I play it with a controller. It's the perfect system for what I want to use it for. I love what it does. And so the Switch Lite, though, is aimed towards a different crowd. They are definitely trying to get the younger kids in, um, similar to a situation like the 2DS, but not quite as much because the 2DS was also a huge price drop. Not that this isn't a big price drop, but the 2DS was a price drop into the that sub zone I was talking about earlier where it's like it was the $129.99 where people were like, holy crap. And now I think DS lights are, or 2DS regulars are $79.99. Huge, huge, uh, cheap, great purchase. Um, so the switch is still 200, which is kind of up there, but it's much more affordable. 199 is much more appealing than 299. Um, my only real issue with the switch Lite is that it has no TV out option. Like it would still be okay to me if you could somehow plug in a, plug in a cable to the bottom and still get your TV out, even if it wasn't quote unquote dockable. So that's unfortunate. And I'll never probably buy one because I never, I'll just take my regular switch on the go. If I'm ever going to go on the go, which isn't very often. Um, but yeah. Yeah, it, it, but it's okay for the 3DS to die, I guess is my point. The 3DS should go away. It's time. And I know this is an unpopular opinion because the 3DS is a very popular system, but here's the thing. The 3DS is one of the most poorly designed pieces of hardware I've ever played. I'm sorry, it is. The Vita is a much better piece of hardware. Note, I said hardware. The 3DS had the games that you couldn't get anywhere else. The 3DS had much superior software library. But it's garbage hardware. It's terrible. It's not comfortable. It's not. It has not has an analog stick. It's got that slidey D-pad thing. They didn't add a second analog stick. They added like this little nubbins, like a laptop pointer, rubber eraser thing, and it sucks. And having two screens is the most non-intuitive thing ever. And uh, it's just awful design. It needs to die. It needs to go away. It's okay. It's okay. And you know what? You can still keep your 3DS. You can still play all your games on. I'm just saying it's time to move on to better hardware and the switch is better hardware that's it it's that simple it's that simple that's all i want to say about it but it's weird that people are clinging to the 3ds it just like yes it was it was a it had a good library and i'm sure it brought you tons of joy that's nothing wrong with that let it go man let it go baby just gotta let it go man let that switch go time to die but take it take out behind the shed put it out of its misery i'm ready for the switch to take over because then all the games that come out on the Switch Lite are still coming to the regular Switch. And I can still play my classic Pokemon. I can play every game that Nintendo's going to throw at me. It's going to be on a system I own. Not like before where I had a Wii U and a Wii, but there was still the DS and the 3DS. And those had the better games that I wanted to play on the Wii and the Wii U, but I couldn't. Ah, I might sound a little salty because I am. I hate, the, I hate the DS. Oh, I hate it. Okay, maybe I don't hate it, but I just think it's just trash hardware. I just I hate the hardware on that thing, and the, the, it's slow. I hate how it takes to download everything. You download presents and you open presents. Like it's, it's all stupid. It's all stupid. The Switch is the much superior handheld, and congrats on Nintendo for for finally like crushing out the uh, the 3DS. And uh, and and they're successful with the Switch. There's no reason to hang on to the 3DS when the Switch is blowing people away right now. So good on Nintendo. Good on them. All right, and that's it for the podcast as far as news stories go today. Like I said, I don't have a pickup pile of the week, and I don't have a user question, but I do have... a game of the week. So our game of the week this week is a little different because... Actually, let me, let me before I get there, last week our game of the week was Willow, and I beat it this week. I actually beat it on uh, Sunday morning. That was cool. Um... So anyway, turn that down a little bit. So anyway, um, yeah, turn it down a little bit more. <laughs> so our game of the week this week is a game. It's on PS4, Switch, Xbox One, and Steam. This game is called Blazing Chrome. If you have not heard of this game, go watch my YouTube video on it right now. YouTube.com slash drop rate. Check out my first look 
and then watch my death compilation if you dare. If you want to see me get real mad over the course of 17 minutes of playing the second level, watch that video. It's pretty funny. But basically, it is, I almost want to say a ripoff, but it is an ode. It is a quote-unquote inspired by Contra 3 and Contra Hardcore on the Sega Genesis and Contra 3 on the Super Nintendo. The game itself looks just like a Genesis or Super Nintendo game. It's got, it's Contra to its core. Like it's got four different weapons you pick up. It's difficult. It's got the sound effects, the explosions. Like it is the Contra game that Konami is never going to make. So to hell with Konami then. <laughs> and this company, uh, I'm totally spacing on the name now that made it. I'm so sorry. Uh, but uh, the game's called Blazing Chrome. I played the first level, took about nine minutes, died a few times. No big deal. Great game. Had a lot of fun with it. Next level I choose, the next easiest level. I was on the level for 50 minutes, almost a whole hour, and I kept dying. Oh, you gotta watch that death compilation. It's so painful. And I, I even watch it now and I'm just cringing at some of the nasty things I was saying to my monitor as I was playing. But it's super fun, it's a Contra game. I have not played it two player yet, but it's two player. Um, you get weapon upgrades, you can switch between on the fly. You know, if you hold the shoulder buttons, you can, you can shoot at an angle without moving. Um, it's really good. It's super hard, and some of the things they do to make it hard, which I don't like, is they, uh, one of the things they do to make it hard, which I don't like, is they have weird angles. Like, they spawn the enemies at weird angles that you can't hit them at sometimes, and so you really gotta be nuanced with your movement, and it's kind of frustrating. But, it's really good. It's really, really good. I think it's 25 bucks on PS4 and Xbox One and Switch, and I think it's 20 on Steam, but I also think it was on sale for like 16 bucks I got it for. Or, if you have Xbox Game Pass, it's totally free. So play it. If you have Game Pass, play it, please. It's freaking incredible. It's the Contra game that Konami will never give us, and we shouldn't even want from them anymore. This game is what we'd all want in a Contra game, and it's balls hard, and there's harder modes than the basic mode I was playing on. So whatever the hell that means, and however difficult that's going to be. Plus, it's got a little bit of mix of Metal Slug in there because you have a melee attack. When enemies are close and you hit the button instead of holding it down, you actually do a melee attack. It's really cool. Awesome game. Game of the week blazing chrome watch my videos on it see if you like it and if which i know you will and then play it and then laugh at me uh getting really pissed off and dying a whole bunch <laughs> um all right and that's the podcast for today everybody i really appreciate you as always for listening and watching uh if you're uh, if you're listening to this on soundcloud you can subscribe to us on itunes go to game talk just search for game talk radio look for the little mega man sprite wearing my game trade shirt if you're watching this on youtube and you want to subscribe on soundcloud or itunes i'd appreciate it or if you could if you want to subscribe if you listen to this on soundcloud or itunes and you want to subscribe to us on youtube it's youtube.com slash drop rate and you can follow us on twitch where youtube.com slash the drop rate on twitch and definitely check it out we stream uh, the Dropcast, which is me jordan and jeremy the three of us do that every monday night around 7 p.m central live on twitch that's more of a general talk video game thing we don't really talk about news so much we more talk about what we've been playing uh last night we got wild with it i mean we went straight to uh, area 51 shenanigans talking about aliens extraterrestrials um, extraterrestrials we talked about lots of wild stuff on the Dropcast. so um also after about four or five days you can watch the Dropcast on youtube as well so if you don't catch it live obviously you can check out the vod on twitch or you can um you know watch it on youtube later so Thank you. Thank you again, as everybody always for listening and watching. It makes my day to do this. Today went by real fast. I loved it. Had a great conversation with y'all. I love it. Thank you very much. We'll talk to you again next week. Bye-bye.